tried and true, no longer required. Every word, one spoken fate, every thought must be laid. Father, I kneel at your feet. Jesus, from my heart I seek you. Play.
perfect start for the afternoon so now we're going over to Jason in Mexico for our movie for the afternoon hi everyone welcome to our afternoon movie thank you Kirsten and Ricky well we have a surprise for you because it was a surprise for us we're going to watch a movie called Imagine That, which actually is a classic Divine Providence movie. And it goes right from Eddie Murphy, who is totally ingrained in the world and sees success as getting his company more money and getting himself more prestige. A long time ago, one of my bosses told me that people view rewards and respond to rewards in different ways. Some people like money, others like good job, they don't care about the money, others like just the title. And I was kind of blown away by how easy it is you could manipulate the human condition to get them to do what you wanted, but it's kind of true. And for me it was always, um, good job. (laughs) The money I didn't care about, they could have doubled my salary, it was... In the title, I thought, that's stupid. But if my boss liked the work that I was doing, it was a good job. So that was the, the ego used that as a hook and uses it as a hook. So that's part of the course, I think, is finding out what it is, the patterns that pull us. And Eddie Murphy in this movie is, I think, deep down going for a good job because it may look like it's for the money, but he really wants a sense of, of completion, and the Holy Spirit is going to meet him with what he believes he needs um, to actually bring him right through and out. And he has a young daughter that his his ex-wife is constantly telling him, you have two jobs. One of your jobs is you have to go out there and make money, so that's a witness to some doubt thoughts. She said, but your other job is you're a father. So in this movie, as he slowly moves towards being a, a better father, if you look at that as... He's, he's got to slowly open up to having a deeper relationship with his daughter who he doesn't understand at all and go past the father-daughter roles. So what's beautiful about this movie is that no matter where you seem to be at in the journey, the Holy Spirit can meet you. And very quickly you're going to see that his daughter is a channel for the Holy Spirit through uh, these two little like fairies or... I don't know what you call them, pixie dust angels. And I forget their names, but you'll see them really quick. And she's got three angels that she hears. And by a fluke, he happens to follow the guidance of one of these angels and see that it works to make his life better. Who would do this journey if, if at first it didn't appear like things got better? 
And I've heard Kirsten call it, or I've read different articles that say that's phase one of the journey, the honeymoon phase, where you've got to be convinced that there's something good about this. Because for those of you that have read the psychotherapy pamphlet, he actually says that from the very beginning, the psychotherapist and the patient are at odds Because the patient, <laughs> the patient goes into the psychotherapist to try to make his life better and get rid of the pain without changing any significant belief system in the mind. But they don't know that. They just want a better life without pain. And the psychotherapist knows that they're going to have to let go of aspects of the self-concept that the ego is going to definitely judge as painful. So from the very beginning... Holy Spirit and the patient can seem to be at odds. How the hell are you going to do that? Well, that is the magic of A Course in Miracles. This, to me, is the difference between an Advaita, like an Advaita Vedanta path or a non-dual path, which I think a lot of it have resonated, but, but when you get the Course, it so highlights this practical application of guidance. I think one of the questioners near the end was saying, you know, of the last session David did, well, I don't want to move. You know, I don't, I don't want to go anywhere and, and shift. I'm so scared of getting it wrong in form. And I can tell you that anybody that comes into our community, eventually they have to start, first of all, maybe trusting a brother who may help them along the way and pray with them to hear some specifics. But eventually, they have to take full responsibility for what it is they're hearing and following to face that wrongness in the mind. The reason everybody's so afraid of, of following guidance is they're afraid of misusing the power of the mind because in the beginning we misused it to forget God. And so every time we make a change or make some kind of shift or follow guidance, we're reenacting that terror in the mind. So Eddie Murphy in this movie is going to face that terror through, through conditions that he likes in the beginning. But what happens is he starts to get so confident in listening and following that like in the movie Bagger Vance, if you all remember that scene with Matt Damon when he's he gets to be a good golfer and he's he's really confident, all of a sudden the arrogance, the ego rides along with the arrogance and and Jesus doesn't want the arrogance taking over. And Jesus in this movie is saying to Eddie Murphy, Go deeper, go deeper. You're not really getting your guidance from these angels or from this blanket called a, a guga. Like, <laughs> I'm saying the word right, it's called Guga. He's saying you've got to go deeper and you've got to go past specific guidance now. You've got to go back, past farther than listening and following to something separate from you. And I want you to merge in a real relationship. And symbolically, that's with his daughter. He has to merge so deeply and put the relationship with his daughter over top anything that he thinks specific guidance is going to get him. And that's basically when he's free when he goes past the idea even of specific guidance and melds with the world. And you can just see the smile on his face and the soft sereneness, how he talks with his boss. There's a sense of equality and joy. All the roles are gone. There's no, nobody ahead. There's nobody below. So this movie covers it all. I think there's maybe three, maybe four places we can pause it and I can point out a couple of things and then, then we're going to do... Likely, um, David will come back and we'll do a panel with everybody who's sitting in the room with me here to share some more, some more parables. So.
enjoy the movie. Thank you. Okay, well, I just, up until this point, you see how the Holy Spirit's been helping him with his daughter and with the blanket, and it's been coming easily, encouraging him and the relationship they've been developing. So the, the blanket was a prop, but now the blanket, the guga, the symbol, the temporary help is, is becoming actually a problem. Even the football player is, is blocking him, like, nope, 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 nope. You don't need that. You don't need that. It's time for you to go deeper. The symbols are not supporting him with the blanket uh, because he doesn't feel worthy enough to go deeper inside and hear the guidance for the companies because he still thinks he needs to get a better job or uh, be the king behind the desk or whatever. So these next few scenes are him basically fighting to make something happen that really isn't to happen because, uh, yeah, he needs to go deeper. So, Okay. So he's got those witnesses saying, leave the blanket, because his mind is still split. He still wants the job and the prestige, and yet they're saying let the symbols go because he's to have this relationship with his daughter and put that as a priority. It's not that she really needs the blanket, but he's forgot what it was all for. He hasn't leapt off, left, leapt off the wave onto the next wave to go deeper with his daughter into the joy. So... He's going to try one more time with the blanket, but... Now this is when the Spirit gives you what you think you want. Like in this community, we're all given permission, of course, to say what it is we feel and what our passion is and joy, but quite often when we say it and it comes into fruition, it wasn't really what we wanted. So he's about to find out that he wants something much deeper that everyone's trying to help him with, but he needs to play it out a bit here. Okay. Okay. Oh, was that clear to everybody? <laughs> well, we, we've got our whole crew here, but um, before we shift gears into the panel, does anybody have any questions about the, about the movie that we can answer? Just the summary is that... Uh, you know, Holy Spirit used guidance and uh, an inner guide and a seeming external guide to help him get into love. But when he was too afraid to go right into love, he was clinging to the symbols. And that's where things started fighting again. And he had to make another decision and let go of, what was his name, Dante Diego? Or the Dante, the boss guy there, and go for his daughter. And that's why we all felt the love, at least I did, when they were playing Love is All Around You, because that was the point of the whole movie. And the, the one line that David started out the whole gathering with. What was that? Love. Love is gives me everything I want. I'm sustained by the love of God. I'm sustained by the love of God. So that was it right there. Okay, Anna Carroll's raised her hand. Uh, that last scene, it reminded me of something I hadn't thought of for years. Uh, at a time when a daughter who had said she couldn't forgive me invited me up to her house on the coast in Oregon. And uh, I was up there visiting her, and there wasn't any real communication with us, but I, I was waiting for her to say something. And, and I, I was there for a couple of days, 
and she would just disappear into her bedroom and and we didn't talk. And then I wanted to go to the Dances of Universal Peace thing that was going on in the next town. And I arranged for a bus to take me in. And she came down when I was going to go and said, she was just really angry and said, I, I shouldn't take the bus. And I said, no, it's, it's okay, I'll take it. But I got in the car and she just was angry but not saying anything. She wouldn't say what she was angry about. And that's the last time I've seen her talk to her in many years. So I can see now it was it was like she was waiting for me to 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 be an interested person in her life. What 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 did I have to give to her? What is it? Did it mean to me that I was up there or something? There, there was just no effort on my part to even show that I wanted to be with her, but that I wanted to listen to her. I wanted to hear her call for love. I didn't do it. So I, I really, I guess, didn't want to see her, and I've been thinking that she's hated me all this time, and I couldn't talk to her, but... It's withholding the love that is the most painful thing, not saying anything, not expressing anything, not being real and and open. So thank you. Thanks, AC. Okay, next is uh, Esther. Go ahead, Esther. I just wanted to say that when this movie brought up some ideas that what I'm working with myself, can I share them? The, um, yeah, I think. Like, like, I'm sorry. Do you have any questions, Esther, that, that you wanted to go into? Uh, I don't know how to formulate them other than by talking about specifics. Okay. So, um, um, with the move that I'm going through, it's given my mother and I an opportunity to spend a lot of time together, and um, and the desire for us to spend time together is still we still talk about it in terms of body being together. And yet there's an awareness, so at least for me, I think I would like to have um, that, it's, that it's more than that. And yet, because she's 82, and I, sometimes it comes up that I may not have a chance to have this experience again with her. So the closeness, desire of closeness comes from <laughs> that idea, which is not pleasant, but that's what sometimes comes up. And I just, 
And the other thing that is coming for me is with things like I had four boxes of books and I wanted to donate them to the library so they could use it for their book sale and the woman couldn't open the barn door. And I knew that my friend Alan wanted to just throw them out. And to me, I've had these books, my, my Rampa collection and all kinds of really important books that, and, and my mom throwing away birthday cards and things. And it's all about um, me seeing that the reason I was holding on to them, it seems, is so that when I was depressed, I'd have something to look at. And, and now it's, I just feel like I've been declothed and I just wanted you to talk about that. If this is related up at some point. Thank you. Well, the thing that comes to mind from what you shared and also with what AC shared is that, that, um, to really get strong on the healing path, we have to have a clear-cut goal set out front before we have our encounters. Because unless we have a clear goal out front, then we seem to receive mixed messages. And we don't feel, we don't feel satisfied with the mixed messages, whether they're verbal or nonverbal. And just like with AC going all the way up to Oregon Coast and, and being there to be with her daughter and knowing the context, but there was an opportunity to go there with a clear-cut goal out front and then what you do in retrospect is you start to realize how important that is because our mind is so powerful. So if we still have misgivings or doubt about a relationship, in, in your case, with, with your mother, and in Anna Carroll's case, with her daughter, then we have these memories that linger in our mind that are, that are less than happy. And the prayer of our heart is to be washed of those, those memories. We want to remember, like Jesus says, only the loving thoughts are true. And that's going to be our, our happiness, that's what's going to lift it up. So I, I think all of us have had those experiences where, where we, we know that there has to be some way to turn, turn the tables to, to free ourselves. And that's what this really is. Just that, that movie stirred those memories up. And there is a call, there is a deep desire to, to feel that love with your mother underneath. And you're just praying for and looking for an opening for that healing to occur. And that's what AC has mentioned on previous online retreats too. That's, that's been a, something that's been a block there is this relationship, in her case, with her, her daughters. So that's, that's the value of all of us coming together and even watching a movie together is that you, there's some kind of allowance to let those emotions that were kind of pushed down let them up, even if they're uncomfortable. It, it is a movement. It's a beginning of, of healing. So, so thank you for doing that. That's, that's what we're here for. We're here to be the love and support for you to go through this healing.
and let some of these uh, deep memories, many times they're just pushed out of awareness to let them into awareness. Mm. Thank you, Esther. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Well, we have such a group here of, of people that have come through so many different experiences. Uh, from Jenny uh, answering her calling, coming across the ocean, and uh, I think with Victor was about maybe nine or ten at the time. Yeah, he was, he was just ten. Birthday, actually. Yeah. And then I left. <laughs> so yeah. that was a big move to, yeah. to answer the calling at that yeah. context. Yeah, it's a big move. And just, I'm just relating also to what you guys are sharing on that carol because I noticed that it was after I left that the work started. And, and I've been back there several times. And when I had it's just such a wash of guilt, this whole path. Like, for years, it's been a wash of guilt or allowing the guilt to come up, to be released. And and I've been back in Sweden. It's very far away, Sweden. And if I had this goal to go and see my son or my family because of guilt and to maintain the role, it was pretty horrible because it was far away. I can imagine also for Anna Carol to go to Oregon, it's like, it's a travel, it's a, and to have this goal of maintaining the role, um, it's a heavy purpose, it's not a fun purpose. So that's why I like what David said about having this goal, setting the goal of, of peace, of joining with the spirit, and being guided, and just being happy regardless of the role, you know, no matter who I meet, and especially when I went there to meet my son, that was, um, that was when it worked out, really. So, yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's four of you. There was Susan, and Slava, and you, and Lisa, that have all taken a very deep journey to God, and yet all of you have had children, and all of you have been able to go in an experiential way to get in touch with uh, holding on to the mask or the concept of mother was in opposition to your divine calling. And what I mean by that is that the Spirit wants us to loosen from all concepts and roles about ourself the Holy Spirit will exchange self-concepts so that we have more and more expansive self-concepts, ultimately approaching the only self-concept that is helpful for us, which is forgiveness. Because forgiveness itself is a concept. It, there is no forgiveness in heaven because there's nothing to forgive in heaven. You know, if you are who you are, there's nothing to forgive in that. But in this world, the, the ego has made up many self-concepts that are part of a false image of ourself and that that image has to be used by the Holy Spirit in a way that loosens us from identification with the image. And just the same thing could be said 
for for career or for relationship roles and uh, mother-child roles are just those are just part of the whole context of what gets loosened as you go along because the concepts of the self is where the guilt comes in and the release from the concepts and the opening to the expansiveness of forgiveness is where the, the release or the freedom uh, comes in and that's why at one point there's a scene in, from back in the days of Jesus, it's actually reported on in the Arantia book, where Jesus has fully gone into his Christ identity. He's totally in the I Am presence and he just has the Christ, the Holy Spirit speaking through him. And at one point he's giving a public talk and uh, his mother Mary shows up at the public talk and she comes in the back and then she's in the back and then kind of word of mouth passes up uh, to Jesus. Your mom's here, <laughs> basically. <laughs> here he is in the middle of his Kingdom of Heaven talk. And, and basically that's also the context where he did, he did give the teaching, um, Who is my father, mother, sister, brother? As his hand sweeps across the whole audience. He that does the will of our Father in Heaven is my father, mother, sister, brother. So he was simply using that moment to say that we have to become an alignment with God in our true identity to, to do the will of our Creator. And it was a beautiful teaching context there. I actually have had some of those myself where I, I was invited up to a, a chapel um, north of Cincinnati, a small town, and my biological mother and sister had never come to any of my gatherings. They just knew that years before I had gone off on travels around the country and everything. So they decided to show up. And I was right in the middle of letting the Spirit rip through me. They actually got to the chapel about 10 minutes late, and they walked in, and they just, their eyes grew very big and they just sat down and listened to the whole talk with their eyes very big, almost like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, because they had never seen me used in that capacity. They had only known me as David, the son David the brother, and this was the presence coming through. And, um, and then after I spoke, then people in the chapel started asking me these deep metaphysical questions like we discuss every week, and they sat there very quietly. I don't think they'd ever heard questions like that in their church, and they never heard answers like that, and it was, it was a bit of a shock, but it was also part of the plan because after that, uh, the more I would stop and visit them, they were just very loving and appreciative. They turned more like into angels, like the feeling was, oh, there's something very important going on here. There's some major healing work going on. And they were very, and always have been from that point on, very respectful. That was just the initial shock. Like I was like jumping in a swimming pool and the water seemed a little cold at first. But things did warm up as they could feel the presence of, of love that was underneath it. It just was a shock to their concept of the self. 
And I think, you know, we've had those. I know when Lisa's gone back over the years to visit your children, there was, there was shifts and changes. And, and um, Swalo recently went back, and, and Susan's gone up to visit her children. And these are part of the healing experiences of loosening the mind. Michael, as well. We've, we've got quite a team here. A panel of experts that that are really uh, well versed in this because they've gone, they had to go through those steps uh, many, many different times actually. Yeah. yeah I guess for me it's been like part of not avoiding any corner of the mind, just with looking at the guilt, really, again, it's, it's, uh, I don't know why it was guilt, but I guess all the roles would create guilt, the, like the mask has guilt with it, so it gave me an opportunity, not playing along in the, in the mask, in the role, gave me an opportunity to look at the guilt, because it was like right there, very strong, for a few years, so, so yeah. yeah. But also with this topic, with Divine Providence, um, I know Kirsten asked about it yesterday, that like how everything was taken care of, like in form, so with my son, he was, he was immediately taken care of when I decided to answer my call, and he had healing. He was changing. He had, his fears was falling away, and, and he reported that to me when I called him, when I was guided to talk to him. And so, so yeah, I think that's so beautiful with divine providence, how everything actually is taken care of and our needs are met. Like he says in the Course, the unreal needs and the real needs are met. So, does anyone else want to talk about your experience? Maybe we can open it up too to see if there's yeah, questions around any of that, or if there are other questions that have come up during the day in relation to this deep topic that we're all sharing today. Yeah, we've got a couple of hands raised. Um, Portia, go ahead. Hi, uh, yeah, I, um, as David, as you were talking, and then as uh, Jenny was talking, my question was, how is this related to divine providence? Um, I can, I mean, the minute I had that thought, Jenny said, how this relates to divine providence? <laughs> But but I'm still not completely, you know, to be frank, there, it seems that this community, Living Miracles community, which has given me a huge, huge opening and gift, seems to continually boil down to leaving roles in order to follow the steps given. And I don't know... Um, if my mind is hearing uh, an egoic version of a living miracles community or 
if this is something that always must happen, I mean, David, you just quoted the, you know, Jesus speaking to that, but I don't think he, I don't know what he did in his roles to say that this role's better than another one. So maybe you guys could speak to that as far as, is there, is there ever a role that you want to assume or, or drop all of them? I'm, I'm kind of confused. The self-concept itself is, the ego is the belief in the mask, so we could say that all roles that are played in terms of worldly roles and all personal roles and all specific roles are, are part of the mask. And since we're told in the Course there really is no difference between the part and the whole, that you never will know the wholeness of Christ or even the wholeness of forgiveness as long as the mind is playing a part. You might have heard the famous Shakespeare line, all the world's a stage and everyone must play their part. Very famous line from Shakespeare. One time the Spirit told me, it reinterpreted Shakespeare to say, all, all the world's a stage and divine mind can play no part. So, if we bring it in from like Mary Baker Eddy, for example, that uh, there's no mind in matter, there's no life, truth, substance, or intelligence in matter. It's divine mind is all, and the only way that anything can be known is knowing the divine mind as, as what it is. All of the masks um, cover over the awareness of, of God's law of love. All of the masks uh, are tiny and little. And, and Jesus has, talks about littleness, he talks about specialness, and he says basically you'll never be content with littleness or specialness because who you are is vast. It, you know, you are the Christ. You are a pure idea in the mind of God, not a specific role or concept. And, and ultimately everything comes down to, do I hold on to this make-believe self-concept or do I release and to forgiveness, which opens me to the Christ that I am. So it's not about comparing roles, and certainly the guidance is about being used in function. So, for example, um, the body can be used for many things, in, including uh, sports, recreation, sexuality, in terms of, of eating, there's many different occupations in this world. Uh, there are family roles. In, in India they talk about the householder role, that that's a stage along the way towards self-realization. You, you become a householder. And, and, and they would even say there's karma attached to that, uh, things that must play out in terms of that particular role of being a householder. But they always put it in the context of, of going higher to the true self, to the I am, to the, the vast self. And the, the point of guidance is, is, a, is coming in to be used by the Spirit in a way that blesses uh, the whole universe. And one of the things that Jesus says is that uh, the only function that the body has, it doesn't have many functions. 
And it's not actually designed by the spirit to be a mother or a father or a sister brother. It's not designed to be any of the of the family roles, nor is it designed to be um, any of the vocations that it can take on, or any of the hobbies and and interests and things of the world. It's it, it wasn't to be used by the spirit. The spirit only uses it as a communication device. So it only actually only has one function, is a, a communication device. And that is to let the voice for God speak through it. So if you start opening to these beautiful ideas, and you notice that you're hesitant to share them, uh, you're hesitant to, you feel embarrassed, you feel shameful, uh, you, you maybe think, I will never just say the words to anybody that I am the living Christ, because you feel like you'll be locked up, even if you've been raised in a, a, a Mormon culture or a Christian culture that is all about Jesus. It's, you know, it's, even the elders of the church don't necessarily come out and say, I am the living Christ. That could be seen as blasphemy in, in the Mormon church, right? So there's, so you can see there's a resistance to radiating and extending that which is real and true, and there's a, a pretty strong investment in littleness, in remaining this tiny personality self. And it seems more humble to be the tiny personality self than to say that you are the living Christ. But Jesus is saying, no, actually that's reversed. It's more humble to be the living Christ. And it's more arrogant to try to proclaim that you're something that God didn't create and God doesn't even know about. <laughs> and so it's false modesty to hang into this sense of littleness and specialness. So it's very deep, but that's the, that's the whole context of why we give ourselves over. You know, we're talking at it more from the perspective of how it looks in the world. Like, as I look around the room, I can see individuals who seem to have let go of roles and concepts. But when we're coming at it from the let-go perspective, that's, that's from the egoic perspective. And you were mentioning that. How does this all look to the Holy Spirit? He's seeing the mind arising up and coming into integration and wholeness. And so what the ego describes as letting go of things, of concepts, the Holy Spirit sees and the angels see a rejoicing in a mind coming back to wholeness and taking a step towards uh, eternity. So everything is becoming integrated in, in the mind that heals. There is no aspect that's held apart. There is nothing that's kept secret or hidden. You have no, nothing that you're hiding. You're, you're not putting up a mask and trying to pretend to be something that you're not. You're actually coming into that holistic perception of the world. And so in that sense it's very beautiful. It's almost like all the pieces clicking back into the puzzle and everything becoming unified. It's very holy, actually. Yeah, I, I guess as you're talking, I'm remembering actually, because when, when people say, did I let go of being a mother, or, you know, even a CEO or whatever it was, I really wasn't letting go, go of, I don't feel the concepts. 
I was letting go of the guilt that was holding those concepts in place. Like, I, they all were based in guilt and fear and reciprocity. And, you know, when I started making the shift to really start questioning what I was doing everything for, really, like, what was I doing every single thing every day in my life? I just saw how everything was based out of guilt, maintaining these relationships that were based out of guilt. And then, you know, for me, you know, I was stepping into just, I just wanted to talk about God. I really did. I wanted to talk about miracles. I wanted to talk. My mind was immersed and I couldn't stop, even in my company. You know, I was just, every day, I would just want to talk about God and watch the course and, you know, and then people would even, even in business, you know, people were saying to me, oh my, whatever. And I'd say, I give all glory to God. And he was, I was actually asked one time to be, go to this small business meeting and talk about the success of my business. And I said, uh, you know, all glory to God in the highest. I said, I'm doing nothing. And he said, well, we can't have you come in and talk about that. You know, that's not going to work. <laughs> And I just, you know, almost like a sadness, you know, and even at my kitchen table, you know, I, I always talk about this thing about, you know, I, they would just say, save it for the Sunday service, you know, all the time, you know, like I just felt like I couldn't contain it and just communicating and just knowing what I really let go of. And those relationships, you know, the mother role was very based in guilt and, and fear and, all the things, reciprocity, reciprocity and, and expectation and all the things that go along with that concept. And just, you know, I was moving through the guilt and the fear, really. You know, really praying to the Holy Spirit and, you know, starting to say no. You know, really, that's what I feel like. I hear the other day, yes. But it was really I started to say no. You know, I, I'm worthy that I want to, you know, become who I really am and shine my light. And so I was having to say no quite a bit, you know, unraveling and then facing the guilt in my own mind, you know, facing the unworthiness, facing the rejection, facing, you know, all the thoughts that were down in there running these relationships, seeing that I did it and I needed to undo it. You know, so it isn't like, I mean, it's, you're going to have to face the guilt, it's keeping you bound in all these relationships. But for me, it wasn't, it was about the relationship with the Holy Spirit. It wasn't about even this community. This seemed to appear, and these relationships seemed to be given to me, which all glory to God. But it was really about letting go, you know, of this compromise that I was doing and I set up and I needed to undo. So, yeah, it was just, you know, it's a step-by-step process, like Michael said the other day. It's like, you know, really getting honest with yourself and seeing where you, it's like, I'm doing this to myself, and I need to face it, and I need to, you know, pray and develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit, and, you know, help me, God, here we go, you know, listening and following and seeing where I'm doing this and unwinding myself from that you know, those relationships that really didn't offer me anything, you know? And so I feel like the relationships I have now are my relationships with God. Everyone is like fully communicate. If I'm in relationship, I want to fully communicate and feel that experience of God, 
you know, the experience of love together and, and be able to expose thoughts and expose, you know, what's hidden in my own mind and just the value, you know, just finding out what's valuable and valueless for me is really what I've done. I think too, there's a larger context to this and, and I had to discover that for myself because when I first came across the course in 86 and I got so excited and my heart started cracking open and after a couple of years, you know, I I was going around the Course in Miracles groups and a lot of them and, and I was just everything. The old shy mask of David started to crack and the heart started to open and and I started to feel all this love just pouring through me. And naturally, I felt like I wanted to actually ex- share and extend it. You know, when you have something coming to you so strong, there's such a desire. Just like if you found and discovered something and you want to share it with everyone, and sometimes you even want to share it with loved ones, but like you with your husband, I remember going home and going to my parents' house and and I could hardly contain myself. I had so many bubbly miracles and and they would break eye contact and change the subject and start talking about the, the Bengals football score or the Reds and or the weather. You know, it's pretty cloudy out there today, isn't it? You know, it, I'm just in full-blown miracle mode and and I'm getting signs and symbols like, please, save it for Sunday, save it for somewhere else. and. And I got many symbols that way, and I was so excited I could hardly not contain it. But then finally my mother said, you need to find other people to share this with. In other words, we're really, we're really not, we can't hear it. We're, we, we don't want to hear it. It's a little too threatening. And so that was very prophetic. That was the Holy Spirit, Jesus speaking through my mother. You need to find others to share this with. And then... When you have the joy of the miracle, that's the way it has to be extended to remain in awareness. As I said earlier, the teacher of God in true generosity has to give it away to keep it in awareness. You can't just put a lid on it and try to bottle it up and hope that it stays lit. If you put put your light under a bushel, you know, it's it's not going to shine and radiate to all the world. So that was the ultimate lesson. And then to give you a context, I'll give you a context of a miracle story with, uh, it pertains to Lisa and also one to Francis. Lisa's, the parable is more, she was at the beginning where she was the CEO of a company. She had a partner, Bruce. She, she had her son, Polly, and her daughter, Gabriella. And, and she would go out on road trips with me. She would, I'd say, come on, let's go travel. And she had practiced the course pretty much in her house, and she had her God room, but it was all very much contained in her house. Uh, she wasn't sharing it hardly with, with anybody. It, with the people at work, she was showing some videos and writing God into the bylaws of her company and doing everything to the max that she could. But when we would go out on the road, we would meet, we would go to Course in Miracles groups and and it was like there were these people that wanted to hear about the miracles and and Lisa lit up and the Spirit, Jesus used her just where she was at at the time, which was her eagerness, her desire to talk about God and and actually too, I remember one of the road trips, she just loved to smoke and every place we stopped 
all the Course in Miracles students and teachers that were smokers would go outside with her and they'd all light, fire up the cigarettes and they'd have these revivals going on with smoke puffing up in the air. And she was so concerned at the beginning, like, how can I go out and talk about God if, if I smoke? And I said, oh, don't worry, Jesus will use that. He used that to the max. Every single place we stopped, there were smokers. And every single place, he used the cigarettes even in the joining. But one of those trips we came back and uh, she came back to her little town there where she lived near Harrisburg, Pennsylvania and she just come off of a whole tour and all these miracles and she had so much joy and, and she was the CEO of a company. She would frequently take her, her children and her partner out for a dinner and so she comes and she goes, come on, let's go out. And she just come off the road. She's got all these miracles. And she was very good. She, she wanted to hear about their lives. And so she sat there at the table, took them out to dinner, going to buy them dinner. She's the CEO. She's got all the money. And she listened. Okay, what's going on with you, Polly? And what's going on with you with Gabriel and Bruce? Let them share what was going on. And then when it came to her turn, she was like, and, and she was so happy. She wanted to talk about her miraculous trip. They said, you know, stuff it. We don't want to hear this. In fact, her partner said, listen, we're not listening. Your, mom, your mom's gone nuts, and we're not, we're not listening to this. She's there buying them dinner, has just listened to everything that they've had to share. And when her turn came to share, they, he would, no, we're not listening. This, your mom's nuts. We're not. It just totally was a shutdown. And she just stood there like, because that was her joy to share. She just was like, okay. Okay, well, she, she walked out of the dinner and just walked home. And they trailed. In the pouring rain, they came out and the vehicle rolled down. Come on, Mom, get in. And she's walking home. If they're not going to listen, she let them all speak. And she's like thinking, she's a, she paid the bill. Get in the car. You're intimate. I'm like, no, I'm not compromising. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like this force because I was getting in all this joy because I was finally free being able to talk about God and the joy of just like I was just ripping and coming back and, you know, really wanting to share with my family what was happening. And, and my boyfriend was just like, you're losing it. Your mom's lost it. She's totally lost it. She's out of her mind. You know, just all these thoughts. And really, it was just showing me my own doubt thoughts. He was playing out my own doubt thoughts, but I was getting really strong that I was, I was like in my joy. And, you know, and there I was paying for the dinner too. And I paid the check and I walked out the door and I thought, I am not getting in that car. You know, I am going to talk about God. And, you know, and they're like the whole way. He's like, get in that damn car. And I'm like, I will not get in that car. <laughs> you know, it was like just this force. You know, once you get into that experience of just being that free, you know, to communicate. I was being able to communicate, finally, everything from my heart. And I just, it was who I am. And I thought, that I just have, you know, I'm not, I'm not compromising anymore. And so, yeah, that was, that was a turning point, yeah, actually. A turning point. And then with Francis, there was a time, here we go, all the way to, to Beijing, China, and... There is a strong call for us to be there. I mean, they have, they're calling us to speak at groups 
left and right to, I think we even went on, was it China that we went on a radio show or was that Japan? There was one, there were so many people wanting to talk to me and, there, and about the gatherings and there was like a big huge swirl, it was like a revival feeling there because uh, a friend of ours had, had translated prior to that a lot, almost all my teachings into Mandarin and it had spread all around China. So when, when we went to China, people came from all over. The first trip we went there, um, Jason and Francis and I were all there, and we had about a hundred people show up that came from all over China to hear us. The time I'm thinking of was, was after that, which was, it, it had grown and grown from that point. And we're there in China, and really, our time in China was so many days, and people were calling, 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 wanting to talk, interview, meet, da 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 da. And then um, Francis's mother contacted her and said, "I really want to meet David, and uh, I want to uh, have have dinner or with us, and you maybe can share how you handled that." Yeah, she she said, and I said. Um I'm not sure um, we will have the chance. And she said, what do you mean? You are here half around the world. I don't even get to see you. David is here. I need to, I need to see him. And I am your mother. I, you know, I demand that. And I said, well, no, I, I think there are many, many people who travel, you know, thousands of miles to see David. And I can't put you in front of them because they, they had huge calls, you know. So I look at all the schedule, I just basically said, no, there's no time for you. And she was furious. She was like, how, how dare you? I'm your mother. So I said, well, she said, at least I can, I can have time with you if David is not available. And I said, well, let me check my schedule, you know, because I have to... Um, Pretty full on. Yeah, I have to translate pretty much by David's side all the time. And then in the end, I said, if you can make it all the way to where we live, which is about an hour and a half travel, I can probably meet you for an hour and a half. And she, you know, after a little bit of grievance and everything, she, she came all the way from the other side of Beijing to this side. And then, and then when we met, it was very, very purposeful. I've never met her in that way. She put everything in um, sticky notes. And there was no chit-chat about this aunt is doing this and this cousin is doing that. She was like, I want to have the, ask this question. Okay, I want to ask this question. I want to ask this question. And an hour and a half passed. I said, well, I have to go. So, okay, thank you for answering all these questions. It's just such a turn of my relationship with her every single yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. And the beautiful thing is those are both examples because... Um, that Lisa's son, Polly, actually was, at one point was in prison, It was even in solitary confinement. When he got out, uh, Gabrielle, her daughter, put him on a bus to the monastery, <laughs> and he took a bus all the way across, right out of prison, because he was reading the Course, and reading, Awakening, reading, Awakening Through A Course of Miracles in prison. He, they got those books in there to him, and he took a bus 
her daughter put her son on a bus and came out and and he had many encounters with us and and over these years in fact the last time I think you had communication with him he was over there near outside of uh, Kona uh, Hawaii on the Big Island where all the fireworks are going off now the volcanoes but he was in his joy and and we watched him bloom and mature so he was one of those from the table <laughs> that bloomed and actually Gabriella has bloomed in such an amazing way too at one point um, Lisa went to visit and she didn't have much to say to her, uh, her, her daughter and her daughter's husband and her grandson and Polly even but Kyle, Kyle was there and but she she just spoke and she, again she was in presence she was in the presence of love and and she was just there and at one point Gabriella turned and said um, she's really you know into into David David's helping people wake up from this dream she matter-of-factly was actually selling Polly David's helping people wake up from this dream she said and that's what mom's desire is so mom's doing that she and then she said I enjoy being a mother and so I'm not into any of that stuff. And so she very almost channeled the spirit like, here's one who's, who's into it and here's one who's not. But it was very respectful, almost like I, I respect that. And then she's gotten into a lot of uh, beautiful teachings and she feels this deeper connection. And the same with uh, Francis's mother. She, she asked these questions because at one point Francis just referred her to read it on the website uh, just why don't you just go read on the website so her mother goes and starts to read all these teachings uh, in Mandarin on the website and as she reads through them all she basically comes back to Francis and said well I guess the only real question then is who are we to each other uh, and you can share a bit about because this led to a mystical a series of mystical experiences this little encounter. I'm just showing it goes a long way when you don't compromise of who you are. Yeah, she, she was asking me, David basically put on the website that he said this world is not real. And she's like, how, how can he say that? If, what does that even mean, this world is not real? And if it is not real, then what makes you and I, you know? And I just said, well, this what what is you and I is just like a nighttime dream, you know. One mind that dreams up different characters, make up roles, relationships, and there's a, a full interaction. But really, it is not. It's not real. So I I I can't remember because I did spend about a, like a long time to to explain, and she was totally stunned. At the end, she actually said, so I guess the only real question of this lifetime is, who am I? And that surprised me because I didn't expect that coming from my mom. That's not how we talk. That's not how we know each other. She's not religious at, at all. Then after that, I left, and she just started to pop through the Bible to, to see what what is religion and God is all about and then she was telling me one day she just really wanted to make sure at least her daughter is taken care of that's all she mm -hmm. wants to know 
and then she popped open the book and she read this paragraph. Basically, God says, "Don't worry about your daughters and sons. I will take care of them." And it was like exactly as what she was hoping for. And she marked it on the book and folded the page and she put it aside and said, "I'll come back every day." And then after that day, she popped open the book. That message is not there anymore. It's never there. And yet, that was just that time that when she popped the question, that message showed up to help her relax her mind. And she had many, many mystical experiences because of that. So I just, yeah, I just feel like, you know, at the level of form, it it seems like there's laws and leaving. But I felt, you know, for myself, I, I felt my mom and I. We were both prisoners. We were both prisoners, and there were no freedom. There were roles and there were grievances. There were victimhood playing back and forth. Why didn't you do this to me? Why didn't I do this to you? And what happened after I just break this chain of I have to play a life path that is approved. By her or by her, by the society. I mean, the thing is, what really made made us、um, that's real is never really can be lost. Like because the love actually grows. The love, whenever I think of her, whenever I speak to her, actually is stronger than ever. But it's just this body is not playing the parts that it gives each other. What happened is when one breaks free to say I have such a strong calling, and I gotta go for this calling, and I hope that when I'm free, I can take you with me, and that is exactly I see, and all of us in the end see that we have to break free first,、mm-hmm. without anyone's approval, and then you know now when we have conversations. When I have conversations with my mom about money, about different things, she would really listen because she wants answers too for herself, and those answers could never come from a role or when we were both imprisoned. So it's just like such a, a much bigger picture that's going on、mm. than just bodies and roles. Yeah, yeah. I always loved there was there was that show called.、Um, Um, what was it? The rest of the story. Paul Harvey. I don't know if any of you ever heard of the rest of the story, where he would talk about famous radio show. And even though I had that moment where I was speaking in that chapel, and and my biological mother and sisters showed up, and their eyes were big, wide as saucers, while I was speaking, because it was a shock to their system. That that's that's the point. Just was one of those points of non-compromise. I didn't even know they would show up. I was in the middle of speaking to a group, and they just came in. But years later, they would、uh, call up, and they were going to go to a family reunion in Colorado. Oh, could we come across to Utah? We'd like to see the monastery. We'd like to come to the metaphysical center. And there we were, my mother up. Uh, way up, and probably in her 80s at that point, in the hot tub,、uh, all meditating together, out in Utah at the metaphysical center. 
You see, so it, that that initial shock when you actually stay true to your calling and you get a, a symbol of an initial shock, that's just a, a preliminary thing. With all with with Francis's mother, with your children, with Evelyn, with Mary Jo, uh, you know, even with with Victor, all of these things come around. But the key thing is you have to be honoring and true to the spirit in order to have this transformation, in order to let these old self-concepts crack open and fall away so that you can open to forgiveness, which is still a self-concept, but it's, it, it's like a blanket of white peace that goes across the whole cosmos. <laughs> so it's, would you rather be a little person with grievances and, and difficult interpersonal relationships, or would you rather be a blanket of peace that crosses the entire cosmos? Because that's your choice, and that's where all this inner work is going, to, to let you expand to be who you really are, to, to know who you really are, and to know when you know yourself, then you know everything and everyone in the cosmos as part of that self as well, because it's all connected. And that's why it's worth it. So it's not really so much of a letting go, as Portia was saying, that's from the ego's lens, it's a letting go, but actually it's, it's an integrating in so that you actually come to an, a realization of who you are and who everyone is. Because everyone's in that same, same experience. Everybody's included in that. <laughs> Deep stuff. <laughs> If we have time, we have time for one more question, quick question. I have a question. Pete James. Pete James. Pete James, yeah. Go ahead, Pete. Hi, guys. Hi, Pete. I, uh, I don't actually have a question, but I just really wanted to sort of step forward and show myself. I felt like I was in my mind a little bit, and... Um, I just, I just wanted to just show myself and just, <laughs> I, thought, I, thought would, I thought that I would connect more with you guys and really sort of uh, feel everything. I, I can feel like my heart's even pounding now. I can feel that, you know, that part of myself that wants me to uh, sort of be hidden and just think I'm just here on my own. And uh, I, so I just wanted to step forward to, to make an attempt to feel more joined. And that's all. Thank you. Yeah. We'll, we'll pan the camera so you can see. See all of us. Hey, hey. All of our love with you there. I just saw you and Eric on Facebook too. Yeah, from yeah. the. From I love the, you guys so much. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Here they are. Hi. <laughs> uh, thank you. Hi. I love you guys. <laughs> Thanks. And for those of you watching from around the world, I have to say that. Pete's, as far as I know, he's the only one to turn one of my book titles into a song. He is so good with music, and he's so good. We love, we all love that song, Unwind Your Mind. And uh, so he took it and he turned it into a song, and I got to do a gathering there at the Golden Braid Bookstore with that song. And yeah, I'm just so grateful, Pete. 
so grateful for you. We love you so much. You've got about a minute. Yeah. Yeah, just have a, like a quick summary come to mind for the movie because I feel that like we are actually moving from getting to giving, like that's the movement into divine providence. And he was like, so in the end, that into getting and the personal self-concept until he realized, it was like he woke up and was like, no, I have something else to do. You know, I have to go and give. I have to follow guidance. And that's the moment when he got happy. And it doesn't really matter what it looks like and which relationships are there or not. Like, it, that's the movement out of specialness. That's the movement out of the self-concept into divine providence or into accepting, you know, guidance. So, yeah, yeah beautiful. Just came to mind. Thank you. So we've got two more sessions tomorrow, a morning session and then an afternoon. They, they don't know, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, they already told them yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Kirsten, Kirsten foreshadowed. I know, I was like, okay. Yeah. So we'll wave goodbye for now. But we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Well, there we are. <laughs> we have to look at our producer and director. Who are we waving to? We have three cameras now. I didn't Thank you, thank you all.